You're listening to the official podcast of Asbury University, produced by students with God-honoring conversations that inform, edify, and encourage. This is Asbury. We explore culture and current topics through a Christian worldview, promoting a well-balanced life, and we empower our community to belong, become, and be set apart. I'm your host, Abby Lobb. Welcome to This is Asbury. today with Tracy Cornett. Tracy is the lead anchor of the NBC affiliate in Nashville. She has interviewed all kinds of interesting people in her career, and I'm sure we'll talk about some of those today as we get to this conversation. Tracy also received her MBA from Asbury last year. Tell us just in a nutshell, Tracy, how you're here with us today in the studio, because there was a, a clear path where, you know, God brought your story together to Asbury. So just talk about that a little bit. It is neat when I look at my full circle and how I started here. I came to Kentucky being married to a former high school basketball player in Lexington and went pro and we had to find a place in the summer to live and raise our kids. And so that was the first, you know, eight years of our marriage. And I would drive by Wilmore all the time because I had a girlfriend who attended here and just was always singing Asbury's praises. So here we are 20 yeah. years later, yeah. and I am thinking, I really want to keep learning in my life. And my youngest had gone and started his basketball career out of Nashville, and that's kind of what brought us back to Nashville in the first place as a couple. And a family was to cheer on our youngest after meeting my husband at that very same college at Vanderbilt. And I was just chomping at the bit for something else to learn and where to grow and what's next. I'm always thinking what's next. And then I said, wait a minute, why not Asbury? It's right there, right there in our basic hometown. I thought, uh, let me just apply and see. And when I read about the business program and I saw that is this Christ-centered way of looking at money management and how the business world works. And after having been in it, I was like, I really need to get a firm grasp on how the real world works operationally. And I need to have a paradigm shift when it comes to money. And it's not a bad thing. It's how the world functions. It's how we're created. And boom, I took the test, got in. Dr. Brown, the president of Asbury, Uh was my very first professor. Oh, that's so cool. And it lit me on fire. And then here it was, the program that got me through COVID, Uh you know, just to keep Uh my mind focused on something else. It's just been such a blessing in my life. Yeah, that's great. So during that time, you were working the Mm -hmm. whole time you were taking these classes. I know that Mm -hmm. is really difficult. You have three children. You're really busy. So your career, I know you had a, a stint here in Lexington. You know, you mentioned moving around a bit. Just talk about how you ended up where you are today. Well, TV career, you know, I always did it as a hobby. I didn't think I would be doing it full time, although I remember watching news going, gosh, that would be a really fun job. Yeah. So here it was. I think I was pregnant with my second child and I was just trying to stay busy with in the summers when my husband was still playing ball. And I would just do commercials for fun. So I signed up with an agency here in Lexington and was sent on a commercial for eyeglasses out of Nicholasville. Got the gig. And when I went to film the commercial, it was at the NBC affiliate there, WLEX. And I just felt something even when I was driving to that commercial audition with a six-month pregnant belly. I was like, Lord, I feel like... I'm driving into the station, and this is going to be a station that's going to matter. I'm well aware, and I was aware of it the whole time during the audition. 
And then beyond, and I get a call one morning as I'm cleaning my house with a little toddler running around from the general manager who had walked by while they were editing that particular commercial and said, are you interested in going to lunch? Do you be interested in working for us? And that led to the next meeting at nine months pregnant, and he Uh, offered me the job as the morning anchor in Lexington at LAX 18, Kentucky Sunrise. And so I said, yes, 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 even though I didn't know how to do the job. His quote was, I like to hire interesting people and teach them the job. You can learn the skills on the job, but I want to find people who are genuinely curious and interesting. I remember praying on that first day into work. Lord, okay, once you've opened this door, I am going to do everything I can to not get kicked out of it. You could have looked at that like, wow, what terrible timing. I'm a mom as well. You know, I've had opportunities in my career where it's like, oh my gosh, like the timing. Whoa. So did you have a moment where you thought, oh my goodness, what am I going to do? I have these little ones. I have this opportunity. How did you juggle those competing interests? For me, it was a gift drop from the heavens because when you have a professional basketball player in your life you realize the physical health is everything your career could end tomorrow with an injury so I was grateful to have a path an opportunity and no matter what we were going to make it work we chose Lexington because his family's here and his mother was very attentive and available so I knew I wouldn't be alone in that and we would figure it out and that's tough too you know friends of mine who are in professional sports or some other type of high profile career you know the spouse oftentimes feels kind of in the shadow or just feels like they need their own thing because their spouse is, you know, traveling. You kind of need something to ground you as a person. Did you feel that way? Yes, and I was so young. And it's interesting, like, currently, my youngest son plays for the Boston Celtics. And it's such a gift. He's in his seventh year in the NBA. It's such a miracle. And his wife has bought into and loves being the stay-at-home mom. She's a former razzle-dazzle banker of Wall Street, all that. But she embraced it fully. And you kind of have to because I wasn't mature enough at that time as a wife. I really did want my own thing. I just have always felt like God has gifted me with all this ambition, right? It was hard to endure those years of being full-time stay-at-home mom. I always needed like a million irons in the fire. Yeah, That's been a challenge, but yet it hasn't been because I feel like God opened the doors that you just have yeah. to keep walking through. And then my husband ended up buying into, oh, actually, I want a parent home. I will be that parent. And I am grateful to be that full-time stay-at-home dad, and that's what he did for so many years. Yeah, so you guys were able to sort of pass the torch yes, a bit. Yes, That's nice. So your children are all grown up. You have some grandkids now. You're still very close. So obviously, you know, you did something right. You were juggling a lot. How did you keep everything together in those early years? You know, was it family? Was it just a lot of prayer? How did you balance it's everything? It's a combination and a very willing and able and supportive spouse, yes. too. I really loved having kids. I would have had like 10 more. Yeah. You know, that's really yeah. how it felt. Uh-huh. Like, yes, they, they have been a blast. Yes. Um, but I've always loved to work. So yeah. I've been very grateful in that this cr- particular career has so many different ways of doing the job and hours and genres. So I've been able to kind of change those and create something else that would better fit the structure of the day for the family so I could be there at the times I needed to be there. It's not been easy. I'm thinking of the listener on a podcast like this, and I'm like, (laughs) television is a weird, you know, you tend to have to move a lot if you're going to grow in your field. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we had several significant moves, the biggest one being all the way to Phoenix, Arizona from Lexington, Kentucky, with three little kids under the age of, I think they were all under probably eight or seven. And that was a huge move, but the offer had to be right. And again, you had to have the buy-in from the spouse. And then from there, we went to Dallas and then brought us and we got to come back to Nashville 
when my you know youngest was playing there. Had you always kind of thought in the back of your mind you would come back this direction? Was that the goal? I think or, so, ultimately. Yeah. I just didn't know how or what mm, that was going to look like. Yeah. And it turned out that we got to be able to do both and then be here back and forth from Nashville to Lexington. It's only a three-hour, 15-minute drive. Yeah. Yeah. So the opportunity to be able to get a house here and stay in Nashville and be working and, and be there for my husband's parents as they were getting ill and they both have just passed recently. And so now I'm in that same zone, though, Abby, where it's like, all right, Lord, what's next? What's next? I'm feeling it. Next chapter. Yes. Yeah. So this idea that you can have it all and you should have it all and you're entitled to have the car and the house and the kids and the job and the, the body, you know, everything. How did you combat that mentality of like... I should have it all. I can have it all. Obviously, you can't. We all know that's not true. We all know you're going to give up sleep. You're going to give up time with friends. You're going to you're going to give up something. So, how did you juggle that and keep that mentality of I should have it all kind of at bay? I probably read 150,000 books first of all <laughs> and articles on and because it ends up boiling down to you can have it all if you look at the expanse of your entire life right. and you can have some of it here and then you'll have this part here and then you'll have this part here to not give up hope that you won't ultimately get it but it's not in our timeline that's when you zoom out and go okay lord what am i supposed to be doing right now and what do you have waiting for me around the corner and what's there now like i talk about what's next what's next well i have asked i had a conversation with a friend and she said when i pray i go lord please whatever is the next thing please deliver it with bells, whistles, and sirens so I know what to look for. And even as I was walking up to this podcast recording today, I said, Lord, I really want that. Please make it so clear and send messages going ding, 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 ding. This is what's next for you, Tracy. When I was reflecting even on the big moves of my life course, he has delivered it that way. It's been like such a stunning boom. Never anticipated this. Boom. This is what's next for you, Tracy. Choose it. So Again, yes, there are so many sacrifices along the way, but I've also learned, and I know Dr. Brown talks about this whole idea of suffering, and so does, I'm going to use one quote, and it's only from the <laughs> author Fulton Sheen. I remember reading something, someone at Mass had passed out a book, and it was all about suffering, and I realized, golly, those are such critical chapters in our life when we are struggling, and for me, it brought so much joy and fulfillment. And when I say suffering, in my example, it's like waking up in the middle of the night and caring for babies. And then knowing that, wait, I can't say yes to this opportunity because it means I'm going to leave my child. Yeah. And I don't want to leave my child. Or I have to pull my child out of this at this particular stage. The no's that we do have to say are also really clarifying. And when we're used to so many choices, I just think that can be paralyzing. Yeah. I've really been able to see the struggles as clear indicators as well and helpful decision markers and makers for me. I think what you said about getting at different times, like, okay, you have your babies, you have your career that's thriving, you have more time with your spouse than you did before. Those all come in seasons. And I think if you did have them all at once, you wouldn't appreciate them as mm -hmm. much mm -hmm. as you did when you had to kind of be patient and wait on God's timing and wait for yourself, you know, wait to grow and see where he's growing you in different areas. I just think you would miss out on the joy, like you mentioned that, you'd miss out on the joy of this moment, this experience, if you just had whatever you wanted all the time. We have different needs at different times and different emotional phases of our lives. Yeah. And exercise always being so key to kind of keep you as balanced as possible. You know, there's just sometimes you have to meet those key needs. Yes. And then you realize, okay, I can do some of this other stuff later. What are some of those key needs that you've had to meet? 
Well, definitely exercise. Yes. Um, And definitely I have had to have Bible study in my life or I will go bonkers. And I know when I'm going off course and feeling down and out, I'm like, okay, Tracy, you are not getting in the word enough. What does God say about this? And boom, it can just take us right back to a sound place. And that's so hard in our culture, in our media landscape to talk about. God and feel free to share where your true beginnings and endings are in your heart and not being able to say it and feeling like an alien in our culture. That is so important to have a streamline of that kind of life into our worlds. Definitely. Well, let's talk about that TV career a little bit. What are some of the highlights? You've interviewed a lot of interesting people. You have a very interesting job. So just talk about that a little bit. What have been the highlights for you? Mostly, I loved the travel and the access we get in this career. My first gigs, going up to the Today Show and interviewing the whole crew up there, out to (laughs) Los Angeles and sitting on the set with... Conan O'Brien at the time and walking around with him and being Nurse Tracy on General Hospital, like all these fun opportunities that you get. And then as I got older and I guess I became a little more thoughtful of a human being where I was interested in some of the big newsworthy stuff. You know, having to really bone up on the presidential election, for example, back in 2016, going to the Republican National Convention, which was based in Nashville, and having to learn about all those candidates and be able to interview them on the fly in the moment. And one of them being Donald Trump running for office at the time and just having to feel secure so that you can ask the question. It takes a lot of homework. It's like you're a lifelong student in this career. So that was really challenging and fun and exciting to me. But my favorite opportunities are the musicians that I get yeah. to interview. You have a lot of those in Nashville. Yeah. You're in the right even market. before Nashville, like <laughs> I'm just a nerd, an 80s music nerd. So I loved <laughs> sitting on the hospital bed, for example, when Rick Springfield got to come back on GH and be <laughs> Dr. Noah Drake again interview like one of my favorite you know crushes from childhood and here he is back those are the well you have had a little bit of a musical background do you want to talk about that how you started way back when yeah I mean it's not the most exciting musical background (laughs) but I am one of those people that loves to say yes to opportunity and so I did love always singing dancing performing so when I went to Vanderbilt part of the reason why I went to that school it was yes intense academically and all that good stuff but it also had a Broadway review group that I saw perform that I'm like, I want to be in that. (laughs) And then I was able to make it. And then that led to saying yes to an audition in Tokyo, Japan for Tokyo Disneyland, where I thought I'd be singing dancing. And I got chosen to be Cinderella, got to go overseas. And then once I was there after a six-month stint at Tokyo Disneyland, my sophomore year in college, I stayed in town and kept singing and auditioning and stayed in Tokyo and then got an opportunity to sing for a Japanese pop star that was bigger <laughs> than amazing. all of them at the time. And to be at that level of venue mm-hmm. and the production, the production value. Yeah. And then go back and do it again for a second world tour the next year and wow. then come back to college. It just all kind of prepares you for, okay, now that you're used to that opportunity, what is next around the corner? I'm very grateful. And I'm very grateful for my musical background that my parents embedded in my heart and soul since I was a little taught and making sure that my kids played music and then it gives you an ear for foreign language and 
I always wanted to be in foreign affairs and yeah. international relations, and that's kind of where my interest is going now. Yeah. All these years later, right? It's still planted in my heart. You and just never know when those seeds will start sprouting. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah. When you can say yes, I just got to do a journalism fellowship in South Korea, and to, to be there for ten days with fellow colleagues, learning something that I'll never really be able to report on back in my local news right. in Nashville. You never but know. It's just you never know. But again, it just like feeds my soul. I think. Yeah. yeah. Well, I just think learning, whatever that looks like, whether that's going back to school, whether it's you know doing your MBA or whatever it is, you're like you're, we're always learning. And if we're not, then what are we doing? There are a lot of people you'd be surprised that don't have that growth mm-hmm. mentality. And it's so nice to meet a fellow person. And something of that's why I enjoyed getting to know you, Abby. It's like you are always on the move and learning. Like, where, what would you say you've learned the most in the last? Six months. Where have you grown Me. the most? Ooh, I published a book. I learned. Exactly. I learned how to do that. It's incredible. I had no idea how to do it, and just figured Taught it yourself. out. <laughs> You're doing this podcast. You're hosting this yes, podcast. Yes. Well, and I think you just need to be a, not afraid to ask people for help. You know, find someone who has published a book and mm-hmm. ask them about it. Find someone who has you know interviewed a presidential candidate, whether yeah. it's a, a book or a person, or yeah. you know, just not being afraid to put yourself out there and ask the questions. I think a lot of times in society it's like we just assume you know you should know how to do things and it's okay to not it's okay to say i don't know how to do this <laughs> but it is okay i'm gonna figure it out exactly <laughs> and that in itself is such a win yeah it's so true but i will say that when students ask what did you major in and how did you get to this place and i thought well I was actually a very varied interest, a very varied interest, right? So yeah. French and international relations is okay. where I started. Wow. I ended up combining all of those credits from multiple schools yeah. at UK, graduated from UK with a communication degree. But I loved that I had that breadth, and I wanted to encourage anybody listening, like that kind of varied background, I swear, equip me to walk into yeah. whatever rooms or interview situations yes. and be able to handle those interviews with confidence. And confidence is pretty much the key to it all. You mentioned in there that you met your husband while you were in school. How did you guys meet? And how did you juggle a marriage in all this interesting career choices you've made? We met on the basketball court. I was on dance team for the basketball program with Andy. And he was, (laughs) you know, a star player or whatever. And so we met that way. And then I just became so addicted to cheering on that team and watching him. But it was very slow. He was a very shy man. And so then when I went to Japan, he wrote me a love letter every single day. And even when he was drafted to the Milwaukee Bucks his first year and I was back in Japan, and then he continued to write me a love letter every day and never dated another soul. And I was very drawn to that sense of devotion mm-hmm. and trust that I had in him. And he's still that same man. So with those love letters, the trust was very high. Mm-hmm. My parents divorced when I was 10. It was a very formative experience in my life mm-hmm. to where one that I still grapple with some of the after effects of, yeah. you know. And so I am just so grateful for his constancy. He's the one man, no matter where he is, he will find church. He's just so devoted to God. He makes his choices based on that and the rest of the world and their opinions don't matter to him. That's the kind of strength you want to find in this spouse. I did. Absolutely. Especially when you're just moving in so many directions and then you have kids and all that. So your son now plays for the Celtics. Was that a little scary seeing just the sacrifice and the hard work that that takes? I wish I could say scary. I just felt since he was a little toddler, I'm like, this boy's going to play in the NBA. (laughs) The number of things I have to line up that are so out of anyone's control. Mother cannot go, my son's going to play pro. no way. There's like a couple of hundred people. That's it in the world who can play. And it's so hard. I mean, they had a preseason game last night and I was watching and 
I'm like, I can't believe we're back at this. Aww. I had to go back on my knees. Dear Lord, bless <laughs> my son. It is actually gut-wrenching. But yeah. it's exciting. It, it's so challenging. It's so difficult. Just so happy for him that he's been able to do it and that he's been able to rise up after injury after injury and then opportunity and derailment. And then he just has kept his focus. He's such a sweet man of God. And it's been a blessing to watch his life unfold and to where your head has to go to succeed in that world and make it endure it it is really hard and it takes so much mental strength in addition to the physical Absolutely. strength but i'm thrilled that he's had this opportunity and you get to travel to boston oh to my game so it's you know so that's a bonus all around the country oh my gosh i will hop on a plane any yes. second yes you're always going somewhere fun with your kids i love that when you're in the grind of parenting like mine are 11 and 9 right now and it's just you know, it's always a busy season. Each season has its challenges. Yes. But now, do you feel just a little bit now like maybe you're just reaping, you know, some of the rewards yeah. of hard years? I should think of it that way. <laughs> I am absolutely reaping the rewards, the joys. <laughs> and then you forget about the hard years. Yeah. Yeah. Those kids are grown. And, you know, I know that comes with its own unique set of challenges as well. There's still a lot of prayer, of course. You want the best for your kids. Second half of kind of your career, you know, what are you looking forward to? I'm looking forward to new opportunities whatever they look like. I'm looking forward to being surprised by what's around the corner because I do want to keep learning and stay interested. And I always want to help the next generation because yeah. I feel like they're an extension of having children. I really don't know what's next, though, Abby. I think that's part of the excitement of what's around the corner and what's the need that I can meet. Yeah. How can I serve these companies out there? And as our landscape is changing so fast in television news, I have no idea what's going to happen and how it's going to evolve. And I realized being in South Korea, they're in the same mode. What yeah. is media? What is journalism going to look like? Yeah. So it's exciting to stay nimble and see where it lands. Yeah. It's a constantly moving goalpost. I mean, you can't just look at your career and be like, I'm going to be a evening anchor in yeah. five years. It might not look like that in five years. It's, right. It's really But I am craving creativity, and yeah. so I'm excited to launch or create or help. Like, yeah. somehow be part of yes. what this next iteration of media yeah. is going to look like. Exactly. It's going to be interesting to see how it shakes out. So, you know, looking back at your career, there's been a lot that you've done. What would you tell a younger person who is maybe just starting out, and maybe they're having those fears of, what's next? What do I do? Like, what are some key nuggets that you would share? I think the number one thing is to say yes to opportunity. I really believe that because if it's landing there at your feet and you're scared, that's a good indication. You probably need to say yes <laughs> and take it and see where the next stepping stone is because our lives can be the coolest adventure. And I do look at it as like little garden steps through, you know, the acreage of our lives. Right. And go say yes, learn from that and then wait for the next thing to be delivered. Because sometimes I see so many people paralyzed and scared. Right. Yeah. So they won't say yes. Well, just do it. Just seize yeah. it and learn how to do the job. Yeah. And the next thing will appear. You have to be ready to work your booty off. Yes. <laughs> I mean, you yes. really do. And you have to be ready to make a lot of sacrifices, personal sacrifices, where you see the rest of your gang doing their thing. I think I've always been one who wanted to make a different choice. I really wanted to march to the beat of my own drummer in many ways. I love my friends. I love, but I wanted yeah. to go to a different school from them. I wanted yeah. to choose a different path. If I could get on a plane and do something that no one else would ever even think about, going to Asia their yeah. sophomore year in college, I'm like, <laughs> no, i got to say yes to this. Because all those things, yes, create new opportunities, but also help you stand out. But I also will say, and I'm learning this full circle, I did not treasure the gift of family and 
a solid base. I never felt really that drawn to having to be in my hometown and staying there. And I kind of had an attitude about it, like, who would want to do that? Yeah. And I'm seeing, especially here we are in Kentucky, based in Kentucky, and you see a lot of these folks, my husband included, who've never, best yeah. friends are still on a street. yeah. <laughs> on the mm-hmm. same street, mm-hmm. Keith Shireway, and they're playing pickleball now in their yes. 50s and 60s oh. with the same people they used to play kick the can with in first <laughs> oh, grade. So That's I, amazing. Where I used to scorn that, I'm seeing the gift and the joy in that. They are wired differently, and that it's also a part of what, honoring how God has designed yes. you. I think it's really important not to label anything as good or bad, you've got to be uniquely you. And as I tell my kids, sing loudly, be you, like unabashedly you yeah. with your weird feet, with <laughs> your, in my, I've got a seven foot two kid, you yeah. know, with your wow. height, don't, you know, just be joyful and pe- and it's just really fun. Seven foot two. Well, no wonder he's playing in the NBA. I know. I mean, you have to be good and tall, but being tall definitely has helped. You must have spent a <laughs> lot of time at the grocery store with those kids uh, growing up. I will up. say my husband did the grocery shopping. <laughs> oh, I got yes. off lucky. Yeah. He does the cooking to this day. Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> that's amazing. I love that you guys have that team. Yes. Um, well, along those lines, you know, what other advice would you give? Maybe if it's for couples who just are wrestling interesting and dynamic careers what would you say to them or any kind of careers you know know, but that's just especially challenging don't give up someone told me this he was going through a divorce as a high school friend and he said if only i had pulled out our photo albums more often tracy and i said that is really good advice a lot of people don't have photo albums anymore but if you do pull them out And if you are in the depths of despair with your spouse at any phase, pull them out and flip back and remember all that you've created and had these incredible joys. And when you're in the hardest part, just know that there's going to be a whole bunch of pages on the other side that are going to be just as joyful. But oh my gosh, it can be hard. And you just have to suck it up and move through it and do what I believe what God has commanded us to do, you need to get the help you need to get. Even if your spouse won't go, if you go yeah. and you get the help, guess yeah. what? You're shifting. And guess mm. what? That whole system, system shifts. working better. Yeah. It, the whole system shifts and it's going to change even if just one of you goes. Then just a couple more questions and we'll wrap up. Let your kids really be adventurous. And I think that's another struggle for parents, especially millennials like me. Like we... We're kind of like the helicopter mm-hmm. age. And I, oh my gosh. I mean, my parents didn't know where I was half the time. Like, we were free-range kids. Yes, we like, were. Free-range chickens, free-range kids. It's a miracle we're all alive. <laughs> Amen. And I would never trade that for anything. So I have to remind myself that all the time. Like, what did my parents let me do when I was this age? Oh my gosh. Like, stop trying to control or yes. whatever. So yeah. how would you encourage parents now with young ones? It's nice to have a, like, we are polar opposites, my husband and I. <laughs> so he is Mr. Psychoprotective. <laughs> don't, don't. And I'm, because he's so, no, 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 no. Yeah. I'm so, yes, 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 yeah. yes, yes. I think I might be different if he weren't my counterbalance. Yeah. But there is something to say about that. Like, if, if those kids of mine didn't have a chance to explore and go try and fail and be adventurous, how do they succeed in the next chapter of life? And like, with ours, they had to move three times. And that's difficult for a lot of kids to move at all, right? And so the blessings on the other side are, well, you're able to adapt in so many different circumstances. I mean, you have to have safety and 
care and love right. and all of that stuff as a part at the core of a child who is growing up in this world because right. they do need to know of they course. are safe where they are and loved beyond measure in order to be free yes. to go flit yes. off to have and the have adventure to do it yeah. yeah so you do have to be aware of both so whatever that looks like in your world you do need a yes parent too though yeah. you know <laughs> you do need an encourager to let your child fly yeah. boundaries are important you know as somebody who was set free as a child like you I mean I would be gone at a friend's house for weeks at a time where my mom would not even check on me and I remember thinking that was odd and then feeling a chapter of my life feeling very unloved and very alone and then I've been able to rekindle my relationships with these childhood friends and I thought maybe it was my memory that was wrong right no my friends said Tracy you would stay with us for weeks and no one would check on you and we were sad about that and my parents were sad about that and that's kind of why we took you in and I thought oh "Oh, rats my life was a sad as, it, as I remember it, you know. So you know, there's a healthy balance yeah. there, Abby. and I'm sure that shapes the way you've then parented. Absolutely, yeah, and you sure. want to have some no's and restrictions yes. on your kids because you want them to feel loved yes. and seen and protected as well as encouraged to be there. Yeah, it's a nice balance to strike. Mm-hmm. Well, just last question as we close: What is God teaching you? now. I have got to work on my patience. Mm, That's good. (laughs) I'm constantly wrestling with, there is a contentedness thing that I wrestle with. That's maybe the flip side of being so adventurous and Mm. saying yes is then, okay, well, what about when life is just still, yeah. how do you stay What about when it's all no's? Yeah. Or in a job, I'm in my 10th year in Nashville. That's the longest I've been at one station. Mm. And I'm in the main role, which is what you work for, right? And then I'm like, okay, I'm sitting here going, okay, now what? Yeah. When, okay, Lord, are you teaching me how to be still? You know, because I do, I want to keep serving my community, but I do want to be fulfilled personally. So it is a constant wrestling and I just have to be patient and open to, okay, Lord, tell me what are these rough edges I need to be working on that you need to soften in me and who else do I need to be paying attention to? And I think the biggest lesson in our world today that we all need to keep learning is that it is not about us. Mm -hmm. And our whole social media underlying celebrity-obsessed culture, all that stuff, you know, and the comparison game that we all play, Mm -hmm. and the, oh, gosh, how is she going on that fabulous trip to the Amalfi Coast? You know, is, wait a minute, (laughs) it's not what it appears to be, and it's not about me. And that, to me, has been the beauty of having kids young. It's like it immediately said, Tracy, this world's not about you. It's about your children now. I was set free from that. I want everybody to be able to listen to this and say, guess what? When it's not all about you, you are set free because it is such a trap to be all into you all the time. It is not fun. It's going to drive you bonkers, (laughs) listener. (laughs) (laughs) That's exactly right. That's definitely been my experience, too. Yeah, I think having kids, even if you don't have kids, you know, whatever God, wherever he has you, finding some way to get outside of yourself. Yes. However that looks, or that's kids or volunteering or whatever it looks like. Oh, it really does set you free. It's not about your interests and your needs for that day. Like, no, you're way down the list. (laughs) Yeah, and you'll fill them in the way you can. But it's life is so much more meaningful when you've got other people to care about and other people to do life with. And I think that's what I've loved about my job and being able to talk to people in my job is like I'm uncomfortable usually being the interviewee. It's way more fun to interview them and to go, oh, I want to learn from you. I want to know you. I want to... 
encourage you. And it's just, it's kept life so much more enjoyable. Well, thank you so much for joining us for this episode of This is Asbury. To learn more about Asbury University, visit asbury.edu. 